Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. You need to figure out what your passions are, and you need to take the plunge and be aggressive in, in saying, you know what? I'm taking a different path. I'm going to shut this door and open up many other doors. Keep in mind that when you do it, you have to go full bore. This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Daniel A. Daniel, MD, the physician owner of North Atlanta Hair Restoration, a boutique medical practice solely dedicated to the diagnosis and treatment of male and female hair loss. He is one of less than 400 physicians certified through the American Board of Hair Restoration, servicing an estimated 100 million sufferers of hair loss in the U.S. As one of a handful of physicians who individually extracts and places all hair grafts during each hair transplantation procedure, and one of the first to specialize in a shaveless procedure to allow for total concealment, Dr. Daniel has separated himself as a leader in the field of hair restoration. Welcome to the show, Dr. Daniel. Thank you for having me on, Jennifer. Now, you have a service that uh, none of our other guests have had so far with hair restoration. How'd you get into hair restoration? Did you go bald and go, you know what, it'd be really great if someone could do this for me. I'm going to figure out how to do it myself. Actually, I, I've gone through it twice. So uh, that uh-huh. was part, part of the story. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a physician MD. I started out in physical medicine and rehabilitation in a hospital setting and also a busy uh, office setting. So kind of in the mix of my training, I did a brain injury rehabilitation fellowship. So I was dealing with really big time injuries. Maybe they had major trauma with head injuries or had um, stroke, surgery on their head. Uh, But we also dealt with multi-trauma, but it's very intense. And I was actually managed a 33-bed inpatient rehabilitation unit. And it was, uh, I would say, extremely stressful. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for six years. One day, it, it just dawned to me, this is not something I want to do the rest of my life. And um, at that time, I gained literally like 35 pounds from where I am now. I woke up and I literally felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I was just so stressed. I uh, called my wife and I said, today is the day. I've talked about it before, but I'm resigning from the hospital. They kind of opened up a new chapter. And uh, not only did I resign from the rehab unit, but I actually resigned from the hospital. And I gave up all inpatient care and just kind of focused on my other practice, which was actually pain management. So I did a pain management fellowship. I was doing a lot of spinal injections and nerve blocks and even spinal cord stimulators and, and spine pumps and things like that. I've, I've probably done about 40,000 spinal injections, a lot of them under x-ray. Things were really chugging along. And I was happy for about five or six years doing that. And during that uh, interplay, the opioid crisis was going on. Mm-hmm. I did not want any part of it. I had my share of patients that I treated with chronic narcotics. But in Georgia, kind of the rules changed in 2011, where they pretty much said, okay, you're board certified in pain. You're one of the lucky doctors that can write chronic pain medications. 
And yeah. within about a month or two, I literally had a hundred new patients take mm-hmm. over my Oxycontin, take over my methadone, take over my long-acting morphine. I, I, I really kind of freaked out. I clicked my heels and, and said, no, I'm not going to do it. And it was kind of the start of me really phasing out uh, in a in pretty rapid fashion to say, this is not something that I want to do, you know, long-term. I've always been a private practitioner. There were a lot of other things going on to private practice. I mean, you, you, you see the headlines now. I mean, there aren't a lot of doctors in private practice. And uh, with all the regulations and, and you know, all the, um, the struggles, you know, you're taking everything on head on. Uh, and then you throw in the pain medications on top of that. The doctors were going to jail. I needed an outlet. So in 2011, my, I'm sitting on the beach with my brother, who's a plastic surgeon, and I said, honestly, I could leave medicine. Maybe I'll get an MBA. Maybe, you know, do something I enjoy. He brought up the idea of going into hair transplant. He um, had just done a, a small course in hair transplant. And uh, the guy giving that course was actually in ER medicine or, you know, in past life. It was mm-hmm. very happy just doing hair. So I took a course and I really found myself again as a doctor. That passion got reignited to a very high level to where I um, let go of my pain practice and uh, it, I transitioned over about three or four years. And now I just do hair restoration and that's hair transplant and then medical management. We have some injection therapies and things. Um, that's all I do now. The nice thing is that I can offer service. I don't have a medical director saying, no, you can't do that. Or you can only do this number or no, you better do this first before you do that. I have people coming uh, literally from all over the country um, because of what we've done in the practice to make ourselves unique and have really not a sales approach, but a doctor approach. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, it's been great. Now you say you've had this treatment multiple times. Yes. Did you do it before or after you decided to get into this field? It was right at the beginning. So I, I took okay. that course when I was in high school, like my, my senior year in high school, uh, it says, what are you most known for? And somebody wrote in receding hairlines. So, oh, I, no, that's yeah. awful. <laughs> I know. And, you know, my father is fully bald. Um, I have two brothers that are definitely headed that, that way. My mother's father was fully bald. So, I mean, genetically, I mean, it's, it's in the, it's in the cards for me. Yeah. You can't avoid it, huh? Yeah. So I, I always tell patients that uh, I had a few jokers in the deck, um, you know, genetic <laughs> cards. So after that course, I thought if I'm going to be in the business, I mean, obviously I can't have hair loss. So <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want a bald doc doing my hair restoration. No, that wouldn't exactly look good. It's like a, a dentist with bad teeth. You know, it just, right. uh, it's not a good thing. And, and uh, but it definitely puts things in perspective. And I've had uh, two very successful procedures. I, I did two just because it is, it's kind of a work in progress, especially if you, if you have a lot to do, you just can't do it all at once in most instances. Mm-hmm. But I've been really happy. I mean, most of my patients say, I can't even believe you had it done. You know, seeing friends from high school who knew that I had a lot of hair loss, and then they see me now, they're, they're, they're amazed. My wife's happy. I'm happy. You know, going through those procedures, 
you know, there are two types of hair transplant right now. The most common actually, which is more of a, I would say an older technique is where they take a scalpel and cut out a strip of hair bearing scalp and then they sew it back. The problem is you end up with a real long scar, you know, sometimes from ear to ear. Hmm. I just, I didn't want any of that. Um, And essentially we do it just follicle per follicle. Sometimes it's one hair all the way up to four hairs. And we just, we take random hairs and then that contracts in as it heals. So uh, when it's all said and done, there's no linear scar and you can't tell that any hair has been taken from the back. And then the hair on the side and on the back is genetically different than what's up, up top. It's just not programmed to die. So it's permanent when you move it. With about a 95%, 96% take rate. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's a lot different than, I guess, the older methods that I had come to envision in my head. You're like, well, take a patch from here and put it over there, and then that'll grow back, and everything will be happy. But if you're just doing a teeny tiny bit at a time, yes. that sounds way better. Yes. So we've taken it to a new level. So both times when I had it done, uh, because you're taking individual follicles, those follicles, they go into a punch and and the hair has to be cut really short. And most clinics will actually shave your head. And the problem is, um, you know, for me, I went into a tailspin for about four weeks with a weird haircut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just felt like, I think, the first time we had a social gathering with my wife, you know, big event, my wife's like, well, you're going to have to wear a hat or something. You're going. I said, I'm not going. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That bad, huh? Yeah. Huh? And I, I also had a lot of swelling. So what I've really focused on is something I call the art of concealment. There's so much psychology with hair loss and hair transplant that a lot of people who are great candidates don't want to consider because one, they don't want anyone to know. And, you know, another big thing is, let's say they're in sales uh, or they're, you know, owner of a company or on the board of directors. I I mean, I've I've treated some some actors, you know, um, you know, just famous people that they can't have one to two weeks off. We started doing something called a shaveless procedure where we do not shave any part of the scalp. And um, so I do that about 80 percent of the time for guys. Today I did a case that was shaved, but he his his hair was so short and he shaves it from time to time anyway. That's not a big deal. And a hundred percent of the female cases I do are shaveless because even if you have to shave a little part of the scalp on a woman, you know, let's say her hair is a foot long, uh, that could take a year to grow back. And and oh, they'll, yeah, yeah, they just they'll just say I'm not going to do it. You know, my success has been the shaveless. Uh, procedure. And and the type of hair transplant we do is called FUE. So shaveless FUE. Uh, In fact, I had somebody fly in from California um, just to have the procedure done today here in Atlanta. So are you the only one doing this then? No, there are others. um, But a lot of the places that do it because it's very hard to do. It's kind of like playing golf and like your ball's always in the deep rough and you got to find your ball and stuff. Ah, okay. It just gets very complicated, you know, from a visualization standpoint. And you can add significant amount of time if you're not really proficient. So I literally started out doing 250 grafts shaveless about five years ago. Uh, it took me almost all day. And then I went to 500. I've, I've gone up to over 3,000 shaveless in a day. 
And wow. we, we have just trained ourselves to make it not a big deal for us. It's a little bit longer. We charge a little bit more from our other shaved procedure, but we've made it totally affordable for people. So the other places, I tend to think they make such a big deal about it. They double their price. It's just not an option for people. So I think we're one of the only practices in, in the States that has made shaveless totally accessible for people price-wise, but we've made it so that this is what we do. It's not laborious for us to do. So how did you condition yourself to be able to do this all day long procedure? That sounds tiresome. You're probably on your feet. I mean, what's, what's your secret? Well, um, I've done two Ironmans before, you know, full, yeah, full <laughs> Ironmans. And I've done a lot of endurance races. So I'm kind of an endurance guy. Uh-huh. I also do a lot of woodwork. Some of it is pretty time consuming and tedious. So for me, you know, these long, tedious tasks, I mean, my day now doing this is much easier and less stressful than seeing like 50 patients in a day. Oh, yeah. And, you know, having insurance companies and pharmacies calling you and, you know, you're doing urine drug screens and surveillance and all this stuff. That's stressful. I've met incredible people. I mean, I'm spending an entire day with somebody who literally is finally able to kind of take their life, kind of settle down for the day. I mean, they're, they're pretty much just sitting or laying down. And we've had incredible discussions with people uh, from all walks of life. And some of the most amazing people really have been people that in their history, job history is not anything that's spectacular, but what they're actually doing in life is amazing. And I've built some great patient relationships um, and taken my past of doing pain management. We also did a lot of wellness stuff. We had personal training in the office and we had a nutritionist. So I'm able to do a little bit of life coaching and kind of do a lot of doctoring as well, which is great. As a female with longer hair, that's not all, well, it seems like it's all falling out some days or I'm pulling it out some days, but sitting in the chair, getting color done or getting a haircut and it being therapeutic, I had a girl for a while, I'm like, I just want to go and sit in her chair and talk. So it might be a similar type thing. Now, do you have like dim lights and happy music and candles going on too? Because I feel like this should be a spa setting. You know, we've been listening to uh, Pandora Moby, the Moby channel, um, uh-huh. which is totally chilled out. We do that in the morning. We usually listen to Coldplay in the afternoon. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of that <laughs> helps me and my staff out, but um, in it, it's just non-controversial. Uh, but we listen to, you know, watch Netflix in the afternoon movies. And most of the time, people literally just want to relax. And yeah. um, people bring books and iPads. I haven't had one patient... <laughs> look at a book or an iPad uh, during the procedure. <laughs> for me, it, it, it really has c- kind of fulfilled my need as a doctor. For one, the way medicine has gone over the last 10 years, it's changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. I mean, doctors are busy on their computer entering in data. Uh, they really can't strike up a really long conversation because the reimbursement's so low, they have to keep seeing more patients. Right or the insurance companies are holding up patients and, and the accounts receivable side of that type of medicine is, is ridiculous. Um, but my practice is all money is up front. In fact, it, uh, to secure your date, we, we generally 
request uh, coming in in your, your pre-op a week before and, and paying in full. So even if there's a cancellation, I'm not, from a cash flow standpoint, out. We, we really don't have accounts receivable, um, but we do in-house financing with different companies. We do not do any financing like payment plans through our office. It's all through third-party vendors. And so you've gone from this high stress, I'm going to have a heart attack if I don't get out of here, to doing something you really love and enjoy, not just tolerate. Exactly. I mean, patients will tell, either whether they're talking to a physician or a nurse practitioner, PA, they'll open up about things that they won't tell anybody else. I mean, and so we have entrance into their life, you know, much deeper than, than most. When that rug is pulled away from you as a doctor, it, it's a real bummer. You know, you are looking at the computer. You're not even, you know, eye to eye. Um, and, and those relationships start to break down. Having a slower pace, really being there for patients. I, I, it, there's no question it's been uh, my, my success with my patients. I mean, um, it's not a sales-driven thing. And my goal really was I am not going to talk you into anything. I am busy enough to uh, be available for you. I'm happy to help. It's your decision. That's a great place to be. That's what I wanted to work for. So what advice do you have for the thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening? I think in life, um, especially, I mean, you look at right now, colleges, you know, people go through a four-year degree, t- only 25% and less actually use their college degree in their job. Right. And the fact of the matter is, if, that, if 75% aren't using their degree, then they, they reinvented themselves, and many people several times. So my thought is, you need to figure out what your passions are, and you need to take the plunge and be aggressive in, in, in saying, you know what, I'm taking a different path. I'm going to shut this door and open up many other doors. But keep in mind that when you do it, you have to go full bore. You've got to hire the right people. You've got to get your financing in order. Uh, you've got to get the training and the certificates you know, under your belt. And really find uh, what I did is I found the best people in the country and either tried to emulate them, but I got, I got to meet them at conferences and actually visit their offices. And that was invaluable. But I think thinking outside of the box, reinventing yourself is the key. Well, Dr. Daniel, how can people connect with you beyond this interview if they want to learn more about what you're doing, want to get some professional advice from you, et cetera? Go to our website, www.na, as in North Atlanta. So nahairrestoration.com. On that website, it pretty much outlines what we do. Uh, we have a weekly blog that we do that we've been doing for about three years, and it's it's up to date every week. So we have topics all about hair, uh, different products, procedures. We also have a Facebook page if you look up North Atlanta Hair Restoration. Uh, that's kind of the main avenues um, that we that we do. I've uh, been doing more podcasts. And uh, as I continue to expand professionally, you know, we're, we're building up our YouTube page and in and, um, and, and other avenues to get the word out. The website's a good place to start and then trickle through the other avenues from there, I reckon. Yes. And if somebody's interested in hair transplant, we do online consult, video consults through a platform called Zoom. 
And we also have a texting app, which is great. I would say most people do it this way. It's totally secure. We can text each other and people can uh, send selfie video or selfie pictures. And, um, you know, oftentimes that starts the conversation. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jennifer. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media and in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.